Psalm 136 will be week 195, hour 138. Father God, as always, we pray for your blessing today to help us to enjoy another great psalm, which of course was penned as a means of prayer from thy servants of old. And of course, we are your servants as of now for this covenant, this dispensation. We ask you to bless these beautiful words all 100 all uh, 26 verses from psalm 136 we thank you father god for allowing us to do so and to look at your word read it and apply it and of course obey it which is the hardest part of all thank you father god for allowing us to call you father and allowing us to have jesus christ as our older brother and the holy ghost of course to empower us to live for you and to serve thee in every possible way we ask you to bless today's prayer time study service in jesus name amen and amen, amen. Psalm 136 26 verses and uh, like i said over the last couple of weeks the psalms are basically prayers or songs by today's standard and uh, the priests would start it and the people like a choir would then respond we discussed that a couple of weeks ago like a choir a verse the bridge the chorus counterpoints as they say in the musical world and uh, if you listen to a real good choir especially around this time of the year you get a real blessing psalm 136 author unknown but it's all good verse one oh give thanks unto the lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever mercy which of course we don't deserve and yet we can't live without oh give thanks unto the lord I shouldn't have to keep saying this, but I will. You won't find anywhere in Scripture where the divines, Old Testaments or New, and the term divines means to uh, explain the future. John is called John, uh, John the Divine, not in the sense of being uh, deity, but he's able to explain and he's able to predict or prophesy about the future. Divine. I give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, present tense. For his mercy endureth forever. Now in the context this will be aimed at the Jew on the earth under the law enjoying a theocratic relationship with Jehovah God. For today we'll aim it at the Gentile on the earth of course under the grace of God. And uh, these verses will uh, harmonize beautifully for the Old and for the New Testament. One more time. O give thanks unto the Lord. It's being sung of course. Why? For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. We're going to repeat the second line. I give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. You see how this is going to go, don't you? Deuteronomy chapter 10, a quick cross-reference. And you'll find time after time in the word of God, the scripture repeats stories, uh, recalls stories, reprises stories, accounts so people don't forget and of course what do we do as people we forget we forget the goodness of god when trouble comes many a time we start to fall apart like babies oh give thanks unto the god of gods capital g god's lowercase g for his mercy endureth forever deuteronomy 10 uh 17 for the lord your god is god of gods and lord of lords O great god a mighty and a terrible which regardeth not persons nor taketh reward you can't bribe him 
Now, if you are a Catholic, you go to your priest on a regular basis, and you've got uh, deceased loved ones. You'll pray, you, you will pay for the priest to say a prayer for your deceased relatives to get them out of purgatory. And he'll take a reward to say a mass for your deceased loved ones. He doth execute the judgments of the fatherless and widow, and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. The latter part, of course, is common grace found in Matthew chapter 5, which of course cannot save anybody, but it's a goodness of God. And that's why you're told to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and uh, take time out of your day to help those less fortunate than yourselves. And of course, get the gospel in. 136 verse uh, 3. O give thanks unto the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. Revelation chapter 19. And uh, look at verse uh let's see now 19 verse 16 and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords denoting his deity of course back to psalm 136 verse 3 again oh give thanks to the lord of lords found in revelation 19 for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 4. To him who alone doeth great wonders. For his mercy endureth forever. No third party helping him out. Islam call this the sin of shirk. And they say that Allah has no partners. Uh, that's put into the text of course to attack the Trinity. And I'll discuss that at great length in the very near future. But as far as Jehovah God is concerned he has no partners. We don't say Jesus Christ is a partner. We say Jesus Christ is very God and very man. Verse uh, 5. To him that by wisdom made the heavens for his mercy endureth forever. Go to Proverbs chapter 8. Wisdom is something lacking today. Especially amongst the young people. They have no brains. Uh, not, all, not, not, all, uh, not all of course. But a good number have very little insight. Little uh, common sense and uh, do street work for six months and you'll see what we're talking about proverbs 8 pick it up in 22 the lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old this is a double application and of course uh, wisdom is a personification of one of god's attributes now i don't think there's any wisdom in the animal world at least not concerning uh, land animals although some are pretty bright so will i will and i will uh, you know agree with you on that point but for the vast majority of land animals they're not that particularly bright they don't use wisdom but they do use instinct there's a difference of course cunning, cunning as well uh, uh 23 i was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the or ever the earth was this also partly feeds back into the sonship of the lord jesus christ uh eternal sonship or generational sonship which is a very controversial subject and uh, the Calvinists believe in what's called eternal sonship meaning that Jesus Christ was always the only begotten son of God which is held by all Calvinists like I say in fact I think probably 90% of the church or those that are professing believers would hold to eternal sonship of the Lord Jesus Christ and about 10% hold to what's called generational sonship that he became the son of God 
during the incarnation. And a quick uh, footnote, the, the best way to understand that issue is to go back to Geneva, 16th century, and you've got John Calvin murdering a Spaniard by the name of Michael Servetus, a very uh, bright guy. I think he was a scientist or a doctor from memory, maybe a surgeon in fact, and he fell foul of uh, Calvin over his denial of the eternal sonship of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Jehovah's Witnesses also get in a mess when they hit this chapter and they think this is in reference to Christ and only Christ but of course wisdom here is found in the feminine let's keep working through this verse 24 when there were no depths I was brought forth when there was no fountains abounding with water before the mountains were settled before the hills was I brought forth while as yet he had not made the earth nor the fields nor the highest part of the dust of the world when he prepared the heavens I was there when he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the foundations of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable, in the habitable parts of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. It's a tough passage. What you don't want to do is teach this doctrinally. Like the book of Psalms. Go back to Psalm 136. Uh, if you start to teach these passages doctrinally. Or being relevant for the day. You've got a lot of problems. Uh, it's like you know, we put a video up a few days ago about the Sabbath. And if you, if you were to apply Nehemiah 13 today as being relevant applicable to be dead bodies all over the place uh, because that's what it would need to you know that's what that's what would happen obviously you start finding Jew and Gentile breaking the Sabbath was that 95% of the world <laughs> you start killing people left right and center you couldn't cross the street without any dead bodies awaiting you 136 uh, verse 6 to him that stretched out the earth above the waters for his mercy endureth forever it's like a uh, it's like uh, the old what do they call that uh, the dough when you make the bread go to Genesis chapter 1 and it may be in last year I was trying to make a pizza and uh, it was a real mess I can tell you <laughs> I had some help and it still was a mess uh, trying to get the old dough on the table and roll it out with the, the what's that pin they call it what's rolling that pin. rolling pin absolute mess <laughs> But here you've got in scripture the Lord stretched out the earth above the waters for his mercy endureth forever. Genesis chapter 1, let's pick it up in verse 1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said let there be lights and there was light. These are all accounts, go back to Psalm 136 of the creation account. And the word of God tells us that Christ was present. Go to Colossians chapter 1 during this incredible event. For me, the two great miracles in scripture would be the creation accounts and the resurrection of course. Colossians 1 and let's pick it up in, uh, let's see now. Uh, pick it up in verse uh, verse. Let's see now. Pick it up in verse uh, 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, 
in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, concerning his preeminence, not his genealogy, that also gets misquoted by the Jehovah's Witnesses. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things, all things, all things consist. Give you one more. Go to John chapter 1, and then back to the book of Psalms. And if you start speaking like this, you lose a lot of friends along the way. Because, of course, our Muslim friends will bow out. Our Jewish friends will bow out. And about 75% of Christendom will also bow out because they don't want to be associated with a biblicist, a Bible believer. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. It's like verbatim for Genesis chapter 1. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. That's a beautiful picture of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just very briefly, John will trace Christ right back to God Almighty, Luke. Tracing him right back to Adam. And of course, Matthew goes right back to David. Whereas Mark says, here he is, he's the, uh, the son of man, ready to start his ministry. And I'm shocked at times how many people use these Gospels to somehow uh, undermine our belief. Uh, no, the books are all consistent. They're all complementary. You've got four biographers giving you four accounts of one man. I mean, four biographers. You won't find that about anybody else from antiquity. You just won't find it. The same was in the beginning with God all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made back to Psalm 136 verse 7 to him that made great lights for his mercy endureth forever back to Genesis chapter 1 great lights you get into the creation account and I believe in a six day creation account six 24 hour days I don't uh, play around with this uh, belief that I have when I first got saved 20 years ago I had no reason to doubt it and even to this day I don't doubt it I know the young earth position is also under attack by a lot of people and they hold to what's called theistic evolution and they say these days are long periods of time and they also have a huge problem that the sun doesn't come up until I think it's day four uh, which I won't discuss this morning but Genesis chapter 1, look at verse uh, 16. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Beautiful. Back to Psalm 136, verse 8. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. You can just imagine, can't you, being said in Hebrew and, response, or, and responded in Hebrew. Maybe a couple of hundred people all singing at once in around the temple would have been beautiful. And that took place for over a thousand years. And of course they lost their kingdom, not once but twice. And now based on the book of uh, Hosea, they got no king, they got no prophet, they got no uh, Thummim, they got no Urim, they got nothing. And I say that not to mock them or taunt them, but I say it as a fact. And that's why if you are a Bible-believing Christian, Preach the Lord Jesus Christ to the Jew and defend him. 
don't just link, link arms with unbelieving Jews as if somehow they've got a, a clear path to go to heaven. They have not. They need them just as much as we did and still do. The moon and, and stars to rule by night for his mercy endureth forever. To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn, the first negative mention. For his mercy endureth forever. She gone from the creation account to the exodus. And for many years the exodus account was attacked by many so-called experts and scholars and made fun of the uh, story of the Red Sea parting and it was called the Sea of Reeds and uh, they made fun of the chariot story and uh, Pharaoh going in after the Jews and uh, when the Ten Commandments came out you'll find the end of the film is different to the book of course and uh, in the end of the Ten Commandments your Brenner doesn't go after Moses he pulls back at the 11th hour which of course is incorrect they can't get it right Hollywood they give you just so much and then they pull back and it's as typical of Hollywood, ever learning and never, able, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And here, all the firstborn are, ki are killed in verse 10. And Christ is God's firstborn concerning his preeminence, not his genealogy. It goes back to David as called the Lord's firstborn. But he wasn't Jesse's firstborn. He was the youngest of Jesse's sons. 11. And brought out Israel from among them for his mercy endureth forever. He put up with the Jews for a long time. You think back to the accounts of Lot and his two daughters. And the Lord says to a couple of angels, get down there, get them out, get his daughters out as well. We can't destroy this city until you're out. A picture of the church being removed until uh, before, uh, before judgment comes. And they've got to drag them out. He starts bartering with the angels, trying to do a deal with the angels. And it's been said by many of old that that's a great picture of a carnal believer for today. I believe that. Mm. He's called a just man. He's called a righteous man. I mean, lots, just and righteous. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. That's what you're told in the New Testament. And every holiness preacher in the UK would have a tough time expounding First Peter and other verses dealing with the uh, situation concerning Lot's salvation. So verse 10, he smote, he killed in Egypt all their firstborn, 11, and brought out Israel from among them. Some stayed put, Hebrews chapter 3. For his mercy endureth forever. Don't ever abuse his mercy. Incidentally, don't ever abuse his grace. And yet many times we do. And when we do that, of course, we get whipped and chastened by God Almighty. 12. With a strong hand. Bit of uh, figurative language. Strong hand, like they say he's a strong arm. He's a strong arm of the Lord. Uh, hammer time. As the Americans like to say in the military, it's hammer time. A strong hand. They say he's got a good strong handshake. A strong hand, meaning power, of course. And with a stretched out arm, the arm of the Lord. So on and so forth. For his mercy endureth forever. To him which divided the Red Sea into parts. For his mercy endureth forever. Let's look at one of these accounts. Go to Exodus chapter 14. Um, and the way I see it is, if we have a problem with one part of the Bible, I say we in the, in the person of a skeptic, which is not me of course but if I was a skeptic and if I had a problem with one part of the Bible and that would cause me to have problems with other parts of the Bible and in the end just throw the whole book out because if you can't get the first 11 chapters from Genesis down which most people can't then why would the rest be relevant it wouldn't would it we're living in dangerous times uh, Exodus 14 21 and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night 
I made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. I've got an account somewhere, go back to Psalm 136, of, I think it's a Russian scientist, whose name escapes me, and he wrote a piece about the uh, the great the great exodus uh, many years ago. It's in our evolution article on our website. And he says that it took about 15 hours for four and a half million people to cross to the Red Sea, while the sea was obviously uh, 100 feet in the air. Just picture that, plus the animals. And you got the Egyptians pursuing hot on their heels. And of course, the truth is they all went in after the Jew. The waters came down, they all drowned. And that would include Pharaoh, of course. 14 again and made Israel to pass through the midst of it also picture of faith you've got to have faith to do what God told you to do you have to appropriate the atonement it's not just good enough to say I know he died for me or I know Christmas is coming or I know Easter is coming no you've got to do something about it you have to appropriate the atonement you've got to reach out and receive it and the Jews had to keep walking I mean just think about it you, you're with four and a half million Jews it's the middle of the night you've got 50,000 soldiers chasing you perhaps more trained killers the best in the world at that time I mean, Egypt was a superpower at that time it's like the British Empire before she fell and you've got these Jewish people not armed women and children some women are probably pregnant you've got children elderly people I mean talk about terrifying in the dead of night and they're told to march and they march That's take, that takes real faith and sometimes we overlook that but they had to have faith and they did 15 but overthrew pharaoh and his host army in the red sea for his mercy endureth, uh, endureth forever the term overthrew overthrow we say uh, such and such a government was overthrown overnight think back to mubarak in egypt overthrown overnight saddam in iraq overthrown overnight or we'll go back even further to tachasco or marcus all those people overthrown overnight they call that a coup d'etat and god overthrows pharaoh and his host in the red sea if god hadn't stepped in and dealt with his tyrants his people would never have been freed it's as simple as that if the allies hadn't come into world war ii uh, the whole world would have just gone very dark and stayed dark forever there was no army in the face of the earth that could have taken on the germans apart from the allies and even saying that it took six years for three superpowers to nail down one country the size of texas think about that sometime uh, 16 to him which led his people his people through the wilderness for his mercy endureth forever it's going to happen again go to revelation chapter 12 now if you think about joshua it's a great picture of Jesus. Of course, Joshua, Yeshua, means Jesus. That's why he's called uh, Jesus in the book of Hebrews. When the writer, probably Paul, is speaking about uh, Joshua, that's not a mistake. It's not a translation issue, which your new Bible's correct. They say that shouldn't be Jesus, it should be Joshua. And of course, they missed the cross reference. Just typical, isn't it? Revelation 12, they don't take the book seriously. It's like the creation account. They say it can't be 6,000 years, you dummy. It's got to be six million years or six billion years. And of course, you go to the, the alternative. If it's an old earth going back, what, four, five, six billion years, as one preacher said, you'd have about 150,000 people per square inch. I mean, you couldn't turn or blow your nose or, you know, do X, Y, and Z. There'd be people all over the place. You couldn't live or breathe. I mean, you can't have the earth as old as they say it would be with the amount of people on the earth today. 
We live in Lancashire. There's greenery all over the place. It's beautiful up here. I mean, up in the countryside, that is. There's land just goes on and on and on. Cumbria, beautiful. Scotland, beautiful. And if the, if the world had been here as long as they say it had been here, that would all be taken up with people. You'd have council states, high-rise buildings. be just monstrous. Uh, what did I say? Revelation 12. Uh, 12. Pick it up in uh, 13. And when the dragon, there he is, saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman, Israel, which brought forth the man-child, the Lord Jesus Christ. This also is a double application, as does uh, most of the book of Revelation. Because, of course, Mary was a daughter of Israel. Jesus was a son of Israel. And all of your Jewish rabbis will say that Jesus Christ is not the Messiah. And what they do is, when it hits the book of Isaiah, for example, they don't give it double application. They say that the servant is Israel, and they stop there. No. The servant is Israel, and of course Jesus is the son of Israel. He's a servant within Israel that also gets lost on them. And the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. That's the uh, boss of the airwaves, the chief of the air. A great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness. As of right now, we are in the wilderness as the church. Into her place where she is nourished. We say malnourished. We say nourishment. Where she is nourished, fed for time one and times two and half a time three and a half from the face of the serpent it's a throwback to the original account found back in 136 verse 16 to him which led his people through the wilderness how long 40 years for his mercy endureth forever and back to psalm uh, back to revelation 12 and again verse uh, 14 and to the woman, Israel, were given two wings of a great eagle. I won't speculate as to this great eagle. Some say it's America. She's pictured as a phoenix on her money. That could be so, I don't know. But a great eagle has been used here as a picture to show support. Air support. Not the term they use today. We need air support. We need bombs to be dropped, basically. We need, a, we need an airlift. Air support. A great eagle, a bird. That she, Israel, may fly into the wilderness. Into her place. A specific place it says Judas went to his place a specific place and of course Judas was a son of Israel and the Jews are going to go into her place where she being Israel is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent and of course Pharaoh is a type of the serpent I'll discuss that a lot more uh, probably this coming Sunday when we get to Psalm 137 which unfortunately has become a very controversial psalm but I won't discuss that this morning. It's too deep. Uh, 136 uh, verse 17. To him which gave great kings. For his mercy endureth forever. Alexander the Great. Gregory the Great. Sometimes the term great uh, can be in a positive sense. But mostly it's used in the sense of uh, infamous. Like the Great War. It wasn't great. It was grave. And these great kings, all Gentile kings, according to the book of Isaiah, are nothing in the eyes of God Almighty. They are like a drop in the bucket. They count as less than nothing. That's pretty humbling, pretty humiliating to hear if you are a leader today, especially the king of Spain at the moment, who's very much in the press. To him which smote great kings, for his mercy endureth forever, and slew famous kings, famous and infamous, famous kings. Of course, Pharaoh was famous. And uh, most of your Old Testament kings, Sennacherib, was famous. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar 
was famous. And of course, the Lord builds them up and they just collapse like a pack of cards. And you read any biography of any famous person, or if you're like me, you enjoy researching uh, criminality, and I do always have done, and I've seen so many films, I've watched so many documentaries about these infamous people, and they get built up, they build them up, they build them up, they are multi-millionaires, they got houses and cars and women and this and that, dead by 50, 55, 60. I mean, some of the films I've seen, even, you know, going back many years, in fact, paint a very uh, deceptive picture, like how attractive sin is, and they become drug addicts, they take overdoses, they can't stop drinking, so on and so forth. They die prematurely, like Alexander the Great. Famous kings, for his mercy endureth forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endureth forever. You've got uh, great kings, 17, famous kings, 18. Uh, king of the Amorites, 19. That's three groups of kings, one more, 20. And Og, the king of Bashan, for his mercy endureth forever. Go to Numbers chapter 20. Uh, 21 and once upon a time these kings thought they were like King Kong Leroy Brown and they were the toughest uh, kid in the block and they were and you think about that account it's in Isaiah 14 which we'll look at on Sunday and it says how they narrowly look upon him when he arrives in hell like they squint as they look into hell and they see the devil and they say is that the man that made the, uh, the, the nations to quake is that the man that uh, did X, Y, and Z, and I can't believe how insignificant Satan is. But for now, he wouldn't spend uh, two minutes looking at you. In fact, he wouldn't even spend two seconds looking at you just to destroy you if he was allowed to do so. That, you get that from the book of Job. Numbers 21, 21, 30, 30, 33. And they turned and went up by the way of Bashan and Og. The king of Bashan went out against them. He and all his people to the battle of Endri, or Endri, Endri, Endri. And the Lord said unto Moses, fear him not. Pretty tough, uh, Lord God. This guy's got a lot of authority, he's powerful. You think about Sennacherib, he put the wind up, Hezekiah, and there was a great panic, and Hezekiah starts praying. He gets this letter from Sennacherib, and he puts it on the, uh, the altar, basically, and he says, Lord God, he's written a letter to us. He's coming for us, and we're terrified of this king. Uh, nothing can stop him he's like napoleon and uh, he's going to come and take our people and he can't be stopped like hitler and the lord said i'll deal with him and of course he deals with him kills uh 175,000 of his troops and of course you know the story he gets killed by his sons later on fear him not for i've delivered him into thy hand in other words he's all yours go and get him and all his people and his land and thou shalt do to him as thou didst unto Sion, king of the Amorites, which dwelt at Heshbon. You've got a picture here, back in the Old Testament, around probably 1500 BC. The Jews aren't as armed as they were during the days of David. And they've got these Gentile nations all around them. So powerful. You think back to 1947, 1948, you've got Israel back in the land. And they're using uh, World War One weapons, rifles, which even then were way out of date and of course you know the story so very well the Muslims start to surround Israel they've been in a land only about a few weeks and of course they start to go into Israel and they start killing the Muslims they always kill their own first of all 
they're seen as being friendly to the Jew and the Jew is able to repel such aggression and push him out of Israel that happened 48 67 75 I mean more than one nation coming against Israel what took place in October this this you know two months ago that's pretty rough but that was just one part of the world it wasn't like five or six countries you had about two or three thousand Hamas terrorists coming into Israel how they got in is another story which we'll discuss probably another day but going back to 48 67 75 it was just a wipeout and I left a post on a video a few days ago a very popular Islamic channel mocking the Jews and I said here's a question that really should be asked is why can't Allah stop the Jews <laughs> you, know, you, don't, you know you're going up and down jumping up and down about the Jews doing X Y and Z and dropping bombs on uh, Gaza and pushing back uh, Hezbollah and all that stuff uh, but the reality is you can't stop the Jew can you you Muslim 150 Muslims surrounding what 7 million Jews they can't win now if I was a Muslim I'd be quite uh, quite alarmed about that so they smote him 35 and his sons and all his people until there was none none left him alive Napoleon Hitler and so many others and they possessed his land they took his land because of course God is the land owner of the world and he can kick out tenants and bring in new tenants as and when he wants to do so Psalm 136 let's finish this psalm uh, look at verse uh, 21 and gave their land for an heritage inheritance a heritage for his mercy endureth forever even an heritage unto Israel his servant again double application Israel as a nation and of course Moses here is a type of the Messiah and the wisdom of God verse 5 is a type of the Messiah and uh, the creation account 6 and 7 going back to Christ being present during the creation account because of course he is God Almighty and uh, verse 16 the Jews are uh, taken care of during the wilderness and again during the great tribulation this book is a circle you know you think you've got it down and it just keeps going round and round and round uh, that's why you never master this book 23 who remembered us in our lowest state we say uh, lower state we say uh, insignificant we say for example lower class middle class upper class lower state uh, Paul speaks about the base of the world uh, being chosen to represent God Almighty how no flesh will uh, boast in his confidence who remembered us in our lower state you find that also in Deuteronomy chapter I think it's 7 or maybe 17 uh, where it says he where he says the Jews were chosen in spite of themselves not because of themselves they were the least of all the nations for his mercy endureth forever so the psalm will start with verse 1 give thanks then they respond his mercy endureth forever to give thanks mercy endureth forever like I say the choir is going to repeat the choir master he kicks it off if you will and they respond in unison uh, like I say a choir today could do this very easily or you think of any kind of orchestration uh, the piano may open the, uh, the the song and the brass come in or quick example if you are jazz aficionado as Patrick and I were for many years you think back to the Count Basie days if you know anything about jazz music and the saxophones they repeat the trumpets who repeat the uh, trombones it's very clever how they do that not so, not so much done now and the brass they sort of bounce off each other it's a rift very clever how they do that uh, Neil Hefty was great for doing that a great jazz orchestrator 
if you know jazz music you know what i'm talking about if you don't you can research it for yourself but here the choir are answering each other they call that counterpoint what else they call that? that's counterpoint, counterpoint yeah. there's something else they use to, to describe that they shout something out it's like stereo the left and right pain yeah. it's bouncing back and forth but anyway let's stay on track 136 uh 136 uh uh 23 again who remembered us in our low estate when we were the lowest of the low for his mercy endureth forever 24 and hath redeemed us from our enemies for his mercy endureth forever i thought about this this morning and i watched a film back in 2006 called amazing grace it's the john newton story and it's an interesting scene in that movie where they have him uh washing the floor at an old church and i thought they're picturing him as a man doing penance paying for his sins which isn't technically true because hollywood have to hollywood have to paint the picture as well as they can of a sinner who did terrible things before he was saved and he was a ship owner of course uh shipping slaves all over the world and of course just for the record if you don't know you had black people selling black people to muslims let's get this right now then the muslims sold those black people to black people in america and to white people in america see the white man gets quite a bashing but that's not the whole story you had the blacks wealthy selling poor blacks to the muslims and then like i say on to the us and the uk and there's a great book if you want to read it called white cargo white cargo and it makes the case how many white people were dragged off the streets of britain in the 16th and 17th century put on ships to the map to to the u.s and died en route and those that made it to the u.s and the caribbean were worked to death yeah, but that's game. not yeah press game but that's not talked about because of course that doesn't fit the narrative but the point is in 24 israel were redeemed from her enemies temporarily why because they walked with jehovah see for the old testament jew they were given great blessings which we aren't today they were told to be prosperous replenish the earth they were told to keep the commandments they were told to abstain from this and that they were told not to be yoking up with gentiles in the back end of ezra and nehemiah paint a very powerful picture as to what happens what happened when they wouldn't do that and as long as they walked with god almighty they got their prayers answered and it was really good but of course over time they got complacent like the church is today they got uh, out of fellowship as the church is today started to go south as a church has today lost all the blessings but his mercy endureth forever that a part of 24 this of course is around the time of the torah being penned the first five books of the old testament the tanakh as the jews refer to it they were the golden days basically the first five books in fact leading up to probably david and solomon i guess probably josiah or hezekiah to some extent uh had the best of it but of course even hezekiah got a big head and he lets the king into his palace he showed him all around his property what do they say don't share the family silver with those who aren't who aren't part of the family and of course isaiah says to him you're a fool basically what you've shown this gentile this unclean uncircumcised dog is an affront to god almighty and of course he gives him that chilling prophecy that his sons were going to captivity which of course they do under under uh jeconiah and of course that is found very clear in the book of daniel 25 who giveth food to all flesh for his mercy endureth forever now let's go to john chapter 6 this is where the catholics get into a lot of trouble 
and I spent over 20 years trying to reach out to Catholics about this particular passage and if you're a Catholic you believe a couple of things if nothing else you believe that Christmas time is a holy day of obligation and you'll be at mass for midnight mass if you're a good Catholic good quote-unquote like you know in the sense in the sense of you know being slightly uh, facetious but if you are a good Catholic you go to mass uh, you go to midnight mass this coming Christmas and you'll queue for hours as I did as a Catholic and Patrick when we were Catholic to get to the uh, the Eucharist which of course for them is a source of everlasting life which I'm going to discuss very shortly who giveth food to all flesh unlimited atonement for his mercy endureth forever John chapter 6 and uh, pick it up in 53 then Jesus said unto them verily 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 I say unto you Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Now there's two views here. The first is con, sub, a consubstantiation, bit of a mouthful, and transubstantiation. And the two views are along the lines of this, that transubstantiation is the belief that the literal wafer becomes the blood, to me becomes the, the, body of, the, the body of Christ, and the wine becomes the literal blood of Christ. That's held by every Catholic, every High Anglican, and a few others, quite surprisingly. But the other view is called consubstantiation, where it teaches that Christ is spiritually present during the breaking of the bread. That was held by Luther. I think it's Fingley held to that, and a few other people. And uh, both views are actually incorrect. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life in the present tense. And I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Now, if you just left it there, you say, Well, there you are, you see, it's pretty clear, isn't it? When you eat him and you drink him, you're good to go. But of course, you're not going to literally turn around and start eating his arms and his feet or his legs or start chewing on him. And even if, even if you were to literally eat his flesh and literally drink his blood, how could it benefit you? I mean, let's be quite honest. Vampires drink blood. Cannibals eat people. Black masses sacrifice people. Abortion is, of course, a blood sacrifice. Paedophilia is a blood sacrifice. Murder is a blood sacrifice. A necrophiliac is a blood sacrifice. This is what the world does to their own. Don't tell me that you're, you are to literally eat his flesh and drink his blood in order to be saved. Because if you were to do that as a Catholic, you'd already be saved. Based on verse uh, 54, you've got eternal life. But that isn't taught in the Catholic Church. They believe you can lose your salvation. The verse I don't want to read is found in 63. It is a spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. Aha. Uh -huh. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirits and they are life. Life is in the blood. Life is in the words of God. I'll give you one more if you don't believe me. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. It's important that we do this every so often. Just to really drive this point home because millions of catholics all over the world will be going to midnight mass in about 10 days time 
lining up to receive the sacraments as they are known hoping to be forgiven hoping that all is good and coming out and still not sure where they're going when they die you couldn't make it up could you first corinthians 8 and uh, let's pick it up in uh, let's see now pick it up in verse 8 let's keep this brief but meat food flesh commanded us not to god for neither if we eat john chapter 6 the wafer goes up the host the old bell gets rung i should nice to do it are we the better neither if we eat not there's your protestants are we the worse but take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak back to psalm 136 let's try and close this psalm so breaking bread yes we do it every sunday it doesn't save us we do it to stay in fellowship with the lord to confess our sins to pray for one another the early church broke bread every week that's found in first uh, corinthians 16 acts chapter 20 on sunday not saturday incidentally and also for the record the church did not change the sabbath uh, to uh, sunday no christ came up out of the tomb on a sunday not a saturday and had he come up on a saturday that would have been a breach of the sabbath by some people as a type of a work which we won't discuss this morning let's close in verse 26 O give thanks unto the god of heaven for his mercy endureth forever so you found give thanks in verse one repeated in two three going all the way down to in fact one two and three and of course it closes in verse 26 give thanks oh give thanks unto the god of heaven not just the uh, god of the water or the sea or the lands but of the heaven he starts with one heaven and of course from one becomes three heavens over the creation account for his mercy which is what we, which is what we all need endureth forever so let's close it there and like i say next time come back and look at another more complicated and unfortunately more controversial psalm psalm 137